Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 10th. It is six minutes after 11, and you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about President Biden's visit to the border. He visited the U.S.-Mexico border on Sunday. It was for the first time as president, and he didn't appear to meet with any migrants, including a trip to a migrant center. He spent several hours in El Paso in his first visit to the border as president. Yes, he went there on a Sunday. And yes, it was a photo op, but somewhat uneventful. So this is fascinating because this is an example, and you see this all the time with people in positions of power where they don't own reality because owning reality would put them in a position of weakness, but owning reality is essential to fixing the problem and what i mean by that is parker who will be our producer next week kevin is training him Mm -hmm. told me that greg greg ballard greg ballard chris ballard greg ballard was the former mayor of indianapolis um (laughs) hello mayor ballard who i know he listens to the show uh chris ballard had his press conference the gm for the colts and it's basically like he was reading me some of the quotes from this guy and it's basically like fantasy delusion world where we think matt ryan still has some quarterbacking left in him what for a geriatric team and a senior citizen home uh we think this team can still be good we think this team can still win i think he said something to the effect like i fired myself 50 times this year well you're still getting a big old fat check <laughs> the point is the colts are we all know mm-hmm. everybody knows the colts are a train wreck we everybody knows that you, when you've got 20 million in a generational guard who can't block anybody and you've got 20 million in a linebacker who doesn't play and you've got a quarterback who's 193 years old and can't throw the ball 10 yards down the field it's time to start over right like you gotta but for chris ballard to say this team has failed epically it is time to scrap and start over that would be an indictment on him and say you gotta go too because for seven years or whatever it's Mm -hmm. been you've been calling the shots around here so you're not going to fix the colts until the colts acknowledge yeah this is a a problem this is a huge train wreck and this entire franchise needs to be burned to the ground and built back up Mm -hmm. same thing happening here until you stick the problem in biden's face and biden is willing to say look here is the problem yes this is happening Mm -hmm. you don't even have to take blame that that it's all your fault you can blame whoever but until we accept from the guy in charge this is the problem the problem's never going to be fixed el paso was clean the streets were clean by the way he was walking along the border wall that he did not like. Trump's wall that he was going to take down and quit funding. But there he was walking alongside it. So this Biden spokesperson says that Biden did get a good idea of what's really happening, Rob. It wasn't wasn't watered down. Nothing was spruced up for him. You know, there's been talk that uh, whether it was uh, those loyal to the president or outside forces, everything was spruced up for him where there were migrants and, and encampments and the rest, they all disappeared for his visit. Do you know anything about that or who cleaned things up? 
No, I, w I wouldn't be able to talk about any kind of preparations that were made. I mean, the president came away from his trip to El Paso really feeling like he got a good sense uh, of the need, that he had a chance to have honest, frank, candid, forthright conversations with everyone involved with the challenges down there. Uh, and he's going to be using the information he got and the context he got in El Paso to inform his discussions here in Mexico City. So he felt it was very, very well worth uh, the time and the effort, um, and he's grateful for everybody that was able to that were able to, to make that visit possible. So you don't think he had a sanitized version of it? No migrants, no sign of some of the craziness and bedlam that agents have been dealing with prior and now even since his visit. No, the president felt like he got a, a, a very good set of briefings and discussions, very honest, very candid feedback from all those that are working this problem. Uh, and uh, no, he's, he's, he's very confident that, uh, that the trip was, was uh, provided him the context and the information uh, that he was looking for. What context did he receive? He could have had those briefings in the White House. He probably has had those briefings in the White House. The context that he received is, is hot in Texas, is bigger in the Lone Star State. I mean, what did he, what did he get out of that? Not well, nothing, right? I mean, it is a photo op, and it was an ability to say, "I have been to the border." It was an ability to take away that now you can no longer say. And Biden's fifty years in public office. Mm -hmm, you now, right. I guess we say he's been to the border one time. He didn't learn anything. It was a pointless trip, and this is what happens in politics. It's like Republicans in the House are going to vote on abolishing the IRS and eliminating the income tax. They can say they've done that. Right. They have no intent to actually do it because they know it won't pass the Senate. You you know, not that long ago, Republicans had all branches of government under Trump. Why didn't you do it then if you really wanted it to pass? Mm -hmm. We're just in this country going through the exercise. We're just doing the things to say we've done them. Mm -hmm. We're not actually about enacting change. People are clamoring that Biden's never been to the border. Okay, I guess I'll go down to the border. And now you've seen me at the border. Let's try and make sense of his immigration policy. It's confusing, full of contradictions. He makes his first visit to the border as president on a Sunday, but didn't see any migrants. He's expanding Trump's border policy, Title 42, even though he says he doesn't like it. He asked courts to end the Trump era policy with no workable plan in the future. Traveling to Mexico City for a summit with North American leaders, but they're making it clear that they're really not anticipating any progress. So what's the point of that? And he watches on as Governor Greg Abbott of Texas just freelances his own border security, but then they tell the one in Arizona that container wall has to come down. It's he doesn't have a plan, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't even know where he is half the time. He was caught on camera mistaking a Salvation Army guy <laughs> for Secret Service. Yeah, so so uh, this was great. We can't play it because the audio, it was, he was, it was far away from mm -hmm. Biden, but a hot mic picked it up, but it's not good enough that you can hear it. You're right. The dude is so delusional that, the you know, the Salvation Army is down there. We all know that the, you know, we raise money for Salvation Army every year. But, we know how they help, you know, poor yes. people or people down on their luck or people trying to rebuild their lives, et cetera. We all know the great work they do. He walks up to some Salvation Army guy and starts conversing with him mm -hmm. about as though he is a member of the Secret Service. He said, I spent some time with the Secret Service in Poland and Ukraine talking to someone from the Salvation Army. Uh, so so the Biden spokesman, John Kirby, was on Cavuto, and mm -hmm. Cavuto actually had another guest that I thought was interesting yesterday, a guy named Bob Good, who mm -hmm. he's a U.S. rep from Virginia. And here's the thing we're going to find out about the Republicans again real soon. 
We're going to find out. The stuff with the IRS and the income tax abolishment, that's not real. That's never going to pass. And I care about what they do and how they operate in the things they can impact. And areas they're going to be able to impact are defense spending, because the Republicans are great at cutting the government that doesn't, uh, that they don't like or that their donors and lobbyists don't want. But when it comes to military, and you're, there's no way you're going to tell me, God bless people who serve in our military, you're heroic and incredible people. But the military is a collective. There's no way you're not going to tell me that there is not billions upon billions of dollars of flat out waste and giveaways in the military. We'll see. Are they going to cut there? That's how we'll find out if they're serious. We'll find out what the debt ceiling. What are you willing to hold up to get concessions on the debt ceiling? And Bob Good mm-hmm. says everything should be cut. I'll believe that when I see it. Well, we absolutely ought to eliminate all funding from government that has to deal with climate extremism, that has to deal with CRT and radical ide- ideology, transgender ideology, including in defense. Absolutely. And all of we, we've run against that, Neil, and the American people have trusted us now with the majority. And that said, we want to focus on military readiness and military effectiveness. But even the military shouldn't get a blank check where they're not held accountable for how they spend taxpayer resources. We can't be spending money based on a, a, a loyalty to the industrial military industrial complex or to lobbyists or to special interests or based on whose district is getting those funding projects. It's all to, all has to be about having the most effective fighting and killing machine that keeps America safe. And anything beyond that uh, should be eliminated. So this is a guy, he was one of the holdouts for McCarthy. He voted present the whole time. He tweeted out, we must come together as Republicans to fight the radical Democratic agenda and get our country back on track. Okay, so if spending bills for the next year are capped at 22 levels, it would slice off $130 billion off the top. And Kay Granger from Texas, she said that we need to cut wasteful spending while maintaining our national security priorities. And isn't isn't that what we all want? We all want a secure nation, but we're sick of the wasteful spending. Build roads, have good defense. Other than that, leave us alone. Yeah, but what just happened? And you see this time and again, Republicans roll over on these defense spending bills that get bloated, that go up every year. There's no accountability. They all do it because that is the the sacred trophy for Republicans. And they don't insist on accountability inside the spending bill. We'll find out. Again, these IRS votes and these abolish income tax votes, they mean nothing. You should laugh at that because they know there's no chance it's ever going to pass. Abolishing those 87,000 IRS agents, laugh at that. Those people are clowns. We'll find out on the debt ceiling vote because Republicans can get about whatever they want because they hold the cards on, on raising the debt ceiling. If they don't fight for this stuff there, Mm-hmm. you'll know they're not serious. Right. And newsflash, they're not serious. <laughs> we'll see with the pen spending. Newsflash, they're not serious. You, th- They lie, manipulate, and use you. We'll find out real soon. Makes a good tweet, makes you look really sure. good in the moment, but it's really not effective and going to do much. It is 16 minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Church full of singing. Yeah. I don't know this one. Yeah, just let it go. It's fine. Okay. Everyone's gone to the moon. Oh. Should I do a little disc jockey for this? Yes. It's a little Chad and Jeremy starting your Tuesday afternoon. See, I would have air checked you right away on that, Rob. 
Because you don't say a little bit of. What? Can we only get a little bit of it? We don't get the whole well, song? He's not playing the whole song! It's true. I don't think Chad and Jeremy would be too pleased with that. <laughs> 20 minutes after 11. He's Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. Question for you before yeah. you get into this topic, because you were a boss of the music industry. Yeah. Did you <laughs> allow your disc jockeys to stop the music to talk or was it just continually from one song to the next no we don't stop the music i mean like you like rihanna said don't stop the music so you just got to hit the post and whatever you can say in 20 seconds that was what you you had talk down the end of one song and up the beginning of the other yeah that's super awkward really why yeah why would you stifle creativity like that (laughs) I mean, let's face it, in modern radio, the disc jockey is the only thing we have left. Uh, Well, on music radio stations, people are there for the music. Because we stifle creativity. (laughs) Okay. You want to talk about this book deal? No, that's fine. She's getting angry at me. She's clicking that pin. Did you hear that? There was some violence in that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Paying you to play the hits, not to talk. True story. My first full-time job in radio was I was an overnight guy Mm -hmm. at the classic rock station here Mm -hmm. in Indianapolis. Yeah. 101.9. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. And I think some of the best radio I did was as an overnight disc jockey because you could do whatever you wanted. Right. Nobody was listening. As long as the owner wasn't (laughs) awake, it was your little oyster. Yeah, they put you on the overnight so you could work it out. And if you screwed up. It's like a comedian who goes to the small club to work out the routine before they hit the big time. I go back and listen to some of those air checks that I've still got. And at 21 years old, I was doing things that makes the 39-year-old version of me chuckle. Mm -hmm. Because if you screw up. Some guy in a factory is the only guy listening. So mm-hmm. what What did you really? What did, did, you, you really? did you keep it light, tight, and bright? Uh, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's the lingo. Mm-hmm. Light, tight, and bright. Back to the hits. Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's talk about the, That's You know what? Actually, that's what I used to tell people all the time. Back to the hits. Yeah. Yeah. Play that vanilla ice cream. Let's play as much vanilla ice cream as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I went, Thanks when, for ruining music. Thanks I, for ruining radio. When I went down to Tallahassee and it was a country station and they just they weren't playing the hits often enough yeah and that's one of the things I did get back to the hits they're come used, on they're, uh, the and thing, the ratings shot up well yeah people want to hear the songs so, they know you, and love hey look if you want to feel fine selling your musical integrity for a couple points then that's that's on you I can't affect <laughs> that I will say the station I worked at yeah had an IHOP right next to the radio station did you put, put on a really long song well, go if you get had, a stack of cakes if you had funeral for a friend or something of that nature mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could get mm-hmm. to the, if you called your order in advance, yeah. you could run over to the IHOP, pay for your order, and then get back. And like, you know, you would be into the love lies bleeding portion of funeral for a friend and nobody would be the wiser. <laughs> so I worked at a classic rock station in Detroit and I always had to work over the holidays and Thanksgiving morning. It was always the gift when you got to play Alice's oh, restaurant yeah, yeah. because, uh-huh. Or like Terrapin Station from yes. the Grateful Dead because it's a nice 15-minute song. Good one. Alice's Restaurant was Arlo Guthrie, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Also performed The City of New Orleans, which was written by famous Chicago uh, blues singer Steve Goodman. Mm-hmm. There you go. Now back to your—sorry. Uh, we t- I totally did not mean to 
drop off on that. I'm terribly sorry. Something about a book? What's going on? Yeah. Katan- uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson has just secured a major book deal from Random House. Well, secured a book deal? Mm-hmm. She just got there. <laughs> yeah. The book What's is- she going to write about? Well, the book is called Lovely One, which is quite a uh, contrast to what her colleague, Amy Coney Barrett, received. <laughs> because do you remember, Barrett had a book out. And it was opposed by publishers and editors. Yeah. 50 people wrote this list, uh, this letter saying how she was a uh, non grata. She was persona non grata. Right. They were, they wanted to prevent readers from reading it. Uh-huh. So how come one is, oh, lovely one, and let's all read this book. And then the other justice has a book and it is tampered down. I believe the word you're looking for mm-hmm. is four words, five words. She is a radical leftist. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I think that we answer her question. Here is my, th- let's talk about this though. Where are we at on su- sitting Supreme Court justices writing books? being able to capitalize mm-hmm. on government service or government employees in general, the elect, I'm talking elected officials, being able to capitalize on their power and their influence, right? I mean, it's like Bernie Sanders making a gajillion dollars. These Supreme Court justices, regardless of whether they're constitutionalists or not, making big money writing books, isn't part of the dealio that when you go into public service, you accept, I'm going to make certain, or should be, I'm going to make certain sacrifices for myself and my family, but I so believe in the cause, and I so believe in better government, and I so believe in public service, that I am willing to endure those sacrifices. Well, it just seems like there is no sacrifice anymore. The the only service that is being done here is self-service. So Jackson's life story She's going to receive an advance of a million dollars. But what has she done? She's done nothing. She okay. She's on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. She's done. She's never. Well, I'm sure it's the story about her rise to the Supreme Court. You know how she got there. Really? And somebody who will would find read that. that? Uh, somebody who agrees with her ideology. Uh, I said the same thing about like Amy. Somebody Co- else who doesn't know what uh, a woman is. But I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying the same thing though about like Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. Who are the people? Let's face it, being a judge should be a pretty boring job, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you are appointed by a president, and then that's it. You're not in the situation room. Right. You're not declaring war. You're not, you know, you're a judge. Your job is to interpret the law, and yet these people, who are the nine most powerful people in the country, when you get right down to it, are making gargantuan amounts of money. Well, I'm sure there are lawyer types out there who would be enthralled to find out how they came to certain decisions. And and that's who the audience is. Maybe yeah. I I just I think I think there is a really slippery slope when whether it's senators or House members or Supreme Court justices who are people who have to make in many cases literally life or death decisions and have entire economies mm-hmm. or power and influence at their disposal are getting huge checks from fr- private for profit entities. I I think that is a really slippery slope. And I think it. Sh- I really think it should be totally banned. Look, you want to be a senator, you want to be a congressman, you want to be a Supreme Court justice, you want to be president. Great. There is honor in that, and the honor in in that 
far outweighs whatever sacrifice you would have to make. Million dollar advance. You should be banned from all outside money if mm-hmm. you get into the House or the Senate or the presidency or the Supreme Court in any shape, form, or fashion while you're there. Yeah. We've got uh, Micah Beckwith is going to join us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Amen. Amen. It's time to go to church. Take me to church. Here to preach to the choir from the bully pulpit, Pastor Micah Beckwith. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline. Say hello to our good friend, Pastor Micah Beckwith. All right, Beckwith, you went to the uh, big opening day at the State House yesterday. 150 people waltzed in there claiming to work on our behalf. Not one of them said nothing publicly about property taxes. Why do your Republican friends love the property taxes so much? Well, I, I don't think it's that they love the property taxes. I, what I've said is they, they are telling me that they're doing something about it. So there is a... What? Now, I don't know. What, what are they is. doing? I don't, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. But, but here's, what I, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Give them a chance. And then if they don't get this problem under control in in the next couple months, because this is a praise God we live in a state where it's a part time legislature, uh, they will be out by end of March, early April, and we can see what they did. And if they don't do what what they're telling us they're going to do, and that's deal with these these outrageous property tax increases, and then, then then you can blast them. Let's blast them. I'm all for blasting them. See what they can do and then blast them. Why can't we just blast them now? They've known about this. This has been going on, Micah, since 2010 when they put the caps into place. They knew when they had the assessment process installed that they could get around the caps. Why can't we just blast them now? Well, I think you do. I mean, I think we, we, I think, Rob, you're really good at blasting, you know, the Republicans. I, that's what I like about you because, trust me, I get frustrated with the Republicans too. We're always, we're always uh, retroactive. We're never proactive as a Republican Party. We're always on our heels, like, oh, I didn't see this one coming. And it's like, to your point, you should have seen this coming. But listen, that's water under the bridge. What are you going to do about it now? And, and I think we are seeing a shift in the Republican Party as a whole where you're getting good, like the Thomas Masseys of the world are getting into office. And I think, I think that's, the, that's what I'm excited about when it comes to the Republican Party, where you're seeing the shift towards these are people who, who just hate the, the BS just like you and I do, and they're getting into office. And now let's, you know, let's give them a chance to do. Now, if they don't do what they're, what they're saying they're going to do, then, then by all means, we've got another serious problem on our hands. Let's get rid of them and, and go back to the drawing board. Is, but is but that... I do think there's a you're, – you're encouraging them in a good way. I think that's, I think that's good. <laughs> you're so encouraging, Rob. <laughs> well, isn't, isn't that weird, though? For the, I mean, it is like Richard Nixon running for president. I have a plan to get out of Vietnam. Great. What is it? Can't tell you because the enemy might know. Like, what – why are they hiding this plan from us? They're well, they're hiding it because they don't have one. But what, that's just the most, just the most ludicrous thing ever. We we're working very hard on what can't tell you. Well, I think that's true. I don't think they have a plan, but I do think they know that they need to do something. And so I think they're putting the plan together as we speak. And and again, it is a political win. This is this is a it's, this is not Vietnam. This is not we have an enemy that wants to, you know, get, there's no who in who in Indiana, like what like normal Hoosier is going to say, "Oh, I want my property taxes to remain high or go higher," right? This is a political win. If you say, well, here's the plan to make your life easier, Hoosiers, 
everyone's gonna everyone's gonna be you know saying, man, you guys are our heroes. So the only reason they're probably not putting something out right now is because they really don't have it probably dialed down into what they need it to be. And and there was that report that came out a couple of days ago where you have the 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 elite, the politicos of the world saying, well, we don't want to do anything because we don't know what it's going to do to government spending. It might hurt government. To which you and I would say, well, good, let's hurt government a little bit more. But uh, but I think I think that's kind of what they're wrestling with right now. They've got the elite insider saying, well, we don't want to hurt the government, and then you've got the you've got the strong you know pro uh, you know people kind of candidates or, or politicians in there now that are saying, no, we want to hurt the government. Get, let's let's give some relief to the people. Micah, okay, so Rob had mentioned that they've known about this problem since 2010. Isn't this kind of like someone who's pregnant and has known that the baby is coming, but waits until they're in the delivery room to start buying the baby crib and the furniture? Like, oh, this is really happening. Well, or it could be like the show where uh, they were pregnant and unaware that they were pregnant, and all of a sudden the baby <laughs> drops out. They're like, oh, my goodness, what's this, right? You guys ever see that reality show? I, was, I thought that was pretty uh Either pretty way, amazing, they're not but... being proactive about it, though. <laughs> That's true. That they're not, and I think that that's the criticism that we can we can lob to the Republican Party. And me being a Republican, I take that like I, I I own that too. It's like we as Republicans are always retroactive, and that's why the Democrats are so good. They they're on their they're on their toes. They actually they actually um, are proactive, and they'll they'll create narratives. They will they'll lie about it for sure, but they they create these narratives, and they they're they're out ahead of these things. And the Republicans are like. Oh, Oh, where'd that come from? Like, I don't, I didn't see that one, you know, and where, where I think we've got to get better at being visionaries in the Republican party saying, here's a problem that's coming down the pike. Let's deal with it now before it becomes a real problem. Uh, Micah Beck with our guests. You said at the state house yesterday, you had a conversation with, uh, with Jim Lucas. What, what, what is his deal, man? Do I need to like, do I, do we need to do a welfare check on that guy? Like, what is his deal with me? That is very creepy that a state rep is tagging a radio broadcast incessantly on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, it's just weird behavior from a state rep, right? Did you talk to him about this? Did you hug him? (laughs) Here's what I told Jim. I said, Jim, and I'm going to tell you the same thing, Rob. I said, I said, Jim, you and Rob are brothers from another mother. You're you're cut from the same cloth. And he was very offended that I said that. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I said, I said, Hey, I said, you guys are fighters. That's why I like both y'all because, because you're fighters. You don't always get it right. I mean, and, and I, and I know Jim doesn't always get it right. And he would probably never say that he always gets it right, but, but we want fighters in there. You guys agree. I'm 80 to 90% of everything in there. And I would just say to Jim is, is, is he's okay. Put your money where your mouth is, which he knows that like, he's got to do something now about things like these property tax issues that you're bringing up. But then I would tell you, I would say the same thing. It's like, okay, give him a chance to, actually do something this this season and then let's see what happens and but but you both are you both are fighters and that's what i appreciate about you're not gonna you're not gonna back down you're not gonna say the thing that's politically correct just because you don't want to you know uh you know shake up the waters a little bit and so so i think you guys really do have a lot in common that's why i like both y'all so but but but, like i've been giving them a chance he came in here on this radio station on the gas tax and was it's the greatest thing ever you're totally fine our roads are wonderful what a great value you're getting i mean how many chances do i have to give these people before just like they love high taxes i mean these republicans love high taxes well yeah but i mean Okay, we'll put the blame where the blame's due, though. Is it really Lucas's fault that that's happening, or is it Lucas's fault? He's voting for it, Micah! 
Well, I'm not saying that he couldn't do things differently, but what I'm saying is, where is the lead? I, I had multiple conversations with people down at the state house yesterday, uh, and they were asking, they were asking about you know state, uh, state kind of vision, like where I thought like vision uh, for the state was going. And, and I said, what we need is we need a DeSantis to lead us because we don't have that right now. We could, if we look at, look at Florida's legislature, they're a great example on how to do this. They weren't a supermajority Republican party. They didn't have a strong, you know, legislature or legislature or legislator leading the charge into the battle. They were, they were weak up until a guy named Ron DeSantis became governor and he, and he barely won. Remember, he barely yeah. won four years ago. And and what did he do? He got in there. And he said, you all are going to get in line, and I'm leading this thing, and I will take the arrows for you, but this is where we're going. And all of the legislators, the Republicans in that legislature said, praise the Lord, there's a leader that we can get behind, and we're, we're a little bit safe because he's given us cover. Mm-hmm. We really need that in Indiana, and we don't have that. Eric Holcomb has not been that for us. He's, he, so so if, you're, if you're looking for Jim Lucas to be that guy, he can't. He's not in a position of authority to be that guy. I, I want him to be the voice. Sure, but but he's not in that position. And so who is it going to be? Is it going to be Bray? Bray's not going to do that. Is it going to be Houston? Houston's not doing that. I think both Bray and Houston and the legislature in Indiana is desperately longing for Ron DeSantis to get behind. And if we can get that, then we will be the the shining light of, of how this should work around the country. And we'll be talking about whoever our governor is next. We'll be saying, hey, they could have a presidential run in their future. And, and so that's, that's really what needs to happen, in my opinion. Well, who's going to step in and be that leader because we're sitting here and we've got two more years. Well, I'm, I'm pushing for Rob Kendall, but I don't know about you. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm very uh, retired, and Casey would be so sad if I left. No, Micah, seriously, I mean, I know that's the that's the fun and easy answer. Hey, Rob, you do it. But sure. seriously, who is the leader of the party in Indiana? Who can Who's going to take care of this? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I... I I think that's something we need to be praying about. We got to say, Lord, raise up those leaders. I mean, you go back to scripture. I mean, you look at you look at a guy like Gideon. I mean, Gideon, uh, the Israelites were in were in total dis- disarray. They didn't know what to do, and all of a sudden, the Lord goes to this one unassuming character named Gideon, who's hiding in a shed and doesn't want to lead. and And the Lord says, "Arise, mighty warrior! I'm going to use you to lead my people to a great victory." And I I think in Indiana, we're still in that place. I think we're we're saying, "All right, Lord, like where's the Gideon? Where are?" Where's the leader we can we can rally behind? But I'll tell you this: whoever it is, they have to know that they themselves can't do this. They have to realize that they're going to have to rely on the supernatural, divine uh, anointing that God gives them. And and if we can get someone, that's why I think Ron DeSantis is so good. I think Ron DeSantis has a faith that he recognizes that I, he's not. It's not him. It's God working through him. And and so so we need a leader like that that can get out there and say not me but i know the one who can fix this and i will lead us down the path that he that he creates for us and and he's the almighty his name is jesus and we're gonna we're gonna follow him and so so i think that's that's the that's what we've got to be praying for as 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 a state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it can't be me because I'm like the giving tree and Shell Silver Silverstein's the giving tree. I have nothing left to give. My limbs have been chopped down. My my trunk has been taken over. I I am just a stump now. I have I have nothing left to give to the people of this state other than, than this uh, radio show. So it can't, it can't be me, Micah. 
Well, I don't know. I, I listen. I, I think you still have some potential. You're not. What, what, are you are you saying you're going to retire and just float off into the iceberg? You know, the, the just put your iceberg and send you off into the ocean. I what? I think God still got a plan for you. But and I think God brought Casey into your life to help. You know, you just not retire. Here's, and, and here's the thing. With. Here's the thing, though, Micah. If they don't fix the property taxes, I'm going to have to get nine other jobs, so I won't be able to focus on anything other than the nine other jobs. That's a good point. And and to that to that point, if any Republican legislator is listening right now, this is a political win. This is an easy softball. You can knock it out of the park. Everybody in India, who is going to fight this other than the establishment crony, uh, you know, elitist that we have in in in, in, the, in Indianapolis saying, well, we want more for the government. Ninety nine percent of the people in Indiana are going to say, yes, please lower my property taxes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to this is a political just softball like hit it out of the park uh indiana republicans and you'll i mean you'll be set up for another you know four to eight years well mike get on that hotline to god and start asking him for names yes please quickly he is the uh, conservative voice of the state of indiana pastor michael beckwith thank you my friend hey thanks guys appreciate it you're listening to kennel and casey on 93 wibc i'm not just stepping stone 1149, you're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. So not the World Cup, not the Oscars, not the Olympics, not even the President of the United States can compete with the NFL this past year. It is by far America's favorite sports league, and it is also one of our favorite things to watch on television. It accounted for 82 of the country's 100 most watched telecast over the past year. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. So 82 mm-hmm. out of 100 mm-hmm. broadcasts, the top 82 were the National Football League. Mm-hmm. So and include that includes 1 through 23 with the exception of number 7, I believe was what was it that like the State of the Union or something like that there was a political yeah, State of the Union, hmm. but other than that 1 through 23 were the National football league that's absolutely unbelievable and totally incredible i mean the the power of the national football league Mm -hmm. in this country is completely unmatched so they were responsible for about 10 percent of all live television viewing last year and they made 171 billion tv advertisement impressions so pretty much if you're going to advertise on tv you want to be in nfl because that's where the eyeballs are and we're not even talking about in some cases prime time viewing like Mm -hmm. number 10 Mm -hmm. was the thanksgiving day game daytime like Mm -hmm. noon right between the bills and the lions now i get people are home they're around the dinner table whatever but i mean it's 99.2 million people watched the super bowl Mm -hmm. that's Almost a third of the country. Mm-hmm. That means almost one out of every three people was watching the Super Bowl. Well, the overall television viewing pie is shrinking. People are cutting the cord, and but the NFL's portion just keeps growing and growing. It's and an exciting game. It's unpredictable. It's group activity. And it also does show why such a financial premium is put on live sports Mm -hmm. because the advertisers have recognized that you can't, I mean, you can theoretically flip the channel like to another game, I guess, 
but one minute after that game's over, the <laughs> the toilets flush. Well, yeah, everyone walks I away. Mean, the, the the unique does nature, their business. like if you, like if you, uh, I'm just picking a TV show here. If you watch Yellowstone, mm-hmm. you can record Yellowstone if mm-hmm. you get it on your provider and go back and watch it two days later. And there's a good chance not everybody around the water cooler is talking about Yellowstone, or you will know the results if you desire not to know the results. Mm-hmm. A football game, right? You know, a minute after it's over, you know, here's what happened, here's who won, here's how it, blah blah blah. I remember as a kid, every day, my my dad would tape the Chicago Cubs game. They were on from basically one until four mm-hmm. Eastern, Eastern during the Eastern time zone. I think that was back when we used to flip. So during the summer, we were on the same central time. So you knew, hey, don't turn the TV on. This was I got very clear instructions every day when we got home from school. Do not turn the TV on. We don't want to know. So we were not allowed to basically touch the TV until 4.30 because you didn't have a cell phone or instantaneously you knew the result. So then at 4.30, you could start watching the ball game. And unless you watched the news, you didn't know the results of the ball game. That doesn't happen anymore. Now you got to watch that stuff in real time, which mm-hmm. means you probably got to watch the ads. Yeah. Live events. Anything can happen. And DeMar Hamlin, what just happened to him, that proves that. Yeah, it's a great it's, point. It's, it can't miss. Plus, NFL gives people an identity. I'm a Bears fan. I'm a Colts fan. And it puts you in this group of other people. Plus, we like watching talented athletes. Here's the other thing that's really interesting is the national championship game, which was just played last night for this year, Mm -hmm. came in at number 34 Mm -hmm. on the list. So there were two governmental-related things. I don't know what the other one was, because it doesn't say, but one through 33, other than two mega governmental related events, I don't know if that was that Biden blood red speech that he gave or whatever. Or the first night of the January 6th committee Yeah, hearing, what, yeah you're right. That, that, prim- that primetime yes. special red carpet. So think about that. Other than one through third, other than two major political events mm-hmm. in which every network dedicates coverage to whatever that is. The top 33 were the National Football League. Mm -hmm. The National Championship college football game came in at 34th. Wow. The biggest game for college football was behind 31 other NFL-related events, including that has to be a whole ton of regular season events. Well, NFL stirs controversy. Who's better? Who's going to win? People like talking about it. It's dramatic, creates bonding experiences, and now a lot of people have money riding on it. Yeah, that is interesting, right? I wonder how much sports betting has increased viewership, viewership, and overall interest in sports. Well, let's keep going on with sports and this former Virginia Tech soccer player. Do you remember her? She filed a federal lawsuit against Virginia Tech because they cut her from the team or they quit playing her. They benched her pretty much. And she says that she was targeted because the coach disliked her political views. And this all stems from BLM stuff. Yeah, she didn't. She did not. She didn't kneel. Yes, she stood for the national anthem. Right. Yes. And they were having a little timeout, a little kumbaya moment. And she said, no, I'm not doing this. And she stood for the national anthem. And right after that, she was a starting player her first two years, got a lot of minutes. And then this happened. And then her junior year, she quit getting playing time. So she filed a federal lawsuit. 
and the school agreed to drop the lawsuit in exchange for $100,000. So basically, she got $100,000. Mm-hmm. They said, we're sorry, here's $100,000. Right. Is that an admission? Of course. It, well, I mean, because it's not legally an admission. Her, of course I mean, it's an admission. Yeah, they don't technically have to admit to anything, but since they paid her out, is that their way of saying- Think about that, Casey. Eh, maybe. The school basically admitted, whether they legally admitted or not, you were a good soccer player. Mm-hmm. We punished you mm-hmm. because you refused to not kneel. You were punished for standing for the national anthem. That's where we're at in our our education system today, where the school basically admitted, we punished you mm-hmm. for standing for the national anthem and saying this BLM stuff is all a giant crock of bull crap. And she was ultimately proven completely correct. Yeah. She ended up quitting the team. Doesn't play anymore. Well, especially for that coach. By the way, other than Democrats and Democrat-related causes, can anybody tell me where all that BLM money went and who who got helped? Other than, of course, like Patrice Cullors at the top. Right, and Alicia Garza. They got helped. All right. Thank you, Rob. Good job, Kevin. And thank you for listening today. Please come back tomorrow. It's Kennelly Casey on 93 WIBC.